Hey, if you need new sunglasses, if you would like to get new sunglasses, know that Shady Rays, for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, is offering a fantastic deal. 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use this promo code Al Galdi. Shady Rays sunglasses, they are the best. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code Al Galdi for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Away we go. Episode 563 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023, the day after a very good night for incoming commander's owner Josh Harris. So Josh Harris, as you probably know, is the managing partner of two other major pro sports teams in this country, the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. Well, Josh Harris's 76ers, they on Monday night won at the Boston Celtics 119-115 in Game 1 of that Eastern Conference semifinal series in the NBA playoffs. The Sixers overcame a 12-point second quarter deficit. James Harden, the beard, 7 of 14 on threes, 45 points. And Josh Harris's Devils, they on Monday night beat the New York Rangers 4 nothing in a Game 7 in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Good times for the Sixers, good times for the Devils. How about some good times for the Commanders? Who's up for that? Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, we don't know exactly when Josh Harris will become the new lead owner of the Commanders, but we do feel quite confident that that is happening, perhaps as soon as this month, at least if you go by what NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said on ESPN on Thursday evening prior to the start of the NFL draft. And so with the finalizing of the sale of the team looming and with the 2023 NFL draft having just taken place, I coming up will be welcoming back to the show Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com, which is the site for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Uh, Michael's always good at talking about both the non-football and the football with our football team. And so we're going to have a conversation about all of this, including what the immediate aftermath of the sale of the team being finalized will look like. Uh, whether that aftermath will include team president Jason Wright being fired, whether the commanders this offseason have done enough to improve their offensive line, uh, Michael's thoughts on the team not exercising the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of edge defender Chase Young, and Michael's outlook on potential contract extensions this offseason for edge defender Montez Sweat and safety Cameron Curl. Michael Phillips on the show coming up in a bit. Also on the show, next segment, in fact, uh, I'll discuss some of the undrafted free agents, some of the UDFAs, some of the UDFAs <laughs> who the commanders are signing, including a quarterback. Uh, the commanders on Monday afternoon announced having agreed to terms with 12 undrafted free agents. Uh, you can always tweet me at Al Galdi. I got this tweet from Mike on Monday evening. What are we to make of Ron signing 12 UDFAs. Is this a change in approach for him? Uh, thank you for the tweet, Mike. Good question. The trend with Ron Rivera as Washington head coach and the coach-centric approach had been to not sign a lot of undrafted free agents, but this year, a departure from that trend. Uh, seven 
of the 12 UDFAs are offensive players. You wonder if the commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy has anything to do with this. Uh, and I uh, later in the show, we'll talk Nationals. Uh, they lost on Monday night, a 5-1 loss to the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park as starting pitcher Mackenzie Gore had a uh, bit of a rough outing, four runs in four innings. Uh, before we get to some more feedback, some Capitals news on Monday afternoon. Uh, no, they have not hired a head coach. Uh, boy, there has not been much out there at all about the Caps head coaching search, but the Caps on Monday afternoon did announce the signing of Russian forward Ivan Moroshnichenko to a three-year entry-level contract. Uh, the Caps took Moroshnichenko with the number 20 pick in the 2022 NHL draft. He was 18 when he was drafted. He's now 19. He was considered among the most talented players in that 2022 NHL draft. Uh, the reason that he fell to the Caps at 20 was that in March 2022, it was announced that he had been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, he received treatment in Germany, and he apparently is doing well. Uh, Ivan Moroshnichenko could turn out to be a steal for the Caps. Uh, Megan Chaika, uh, who was part of ESPN's coverage of the 2022 NHL draft, she called Moroshnichenko, quote, the most talented player in this draft class, end quote. Uh, we shall see to what extent he contributes at the NHL level next season, but this is good news if you are a Caps fan like me. The Caps need to get younger and better, and the upside with Morozhnichenko is quite significant. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Joel Charney on the Commander's Draft, writes Joel, I don't pretend to be a draft expert. The national consensus gave the Commanders a solid B for their efforts, but I don't think that we can properly judge this draft without putting it in broader divisional and league context. We all agree that the goal is to return to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl, and unimaginative by the book draft, like the Commanders just had when they're competing with the geniuses up I-95 in Philadelphia and an increasingly effective management team in New York, is not going to get the job done. Here are some metaphors for you. Commanders, one scoop of vanilla. Eagles, a banana split with two scoops of Rocky Road and one scoop of salted caramel. Commanders, checkers. Eagles, three-dimensional chess. Commanders, a 1950 schoolroom with a chalkboard. Eagles, the MIT Jet Propulsion Lab. <laughs> I'm going to make a prediction right now. If the Josh Harris Group is able to close the deal and buy the team, by this time next year, Eric Bieniemy will be the head coach, and there will be a cutting-edge general manager in place. Ron Rivera and the Martys have done their best, but it's time to bring the football side of the operation into the 2020s. Uh, thank you for the email, Joe. Uh, I very much want the next head of football operations for the commanders to be someone who is analytics-driven, who is cutting-edge. And yes, I am big into that stuff. I make no secret of that. But this is the way of the NFL, just like this has been the way of Major League Baseball and the NBA and the NHL for years now. And something to very much keep in mind with our incoming owner of the Commanders, Josh Harris, he is big into analytics. I don't think that this has been emphasized enough. Uh, we talked about Harris being big into analytics with John Kincaid, host of the John Kincaid Show on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. Uh, John was on last Tuesday's show, episode 557. Josh Harris, as managing partner of the Philadelphia 76ers, and also, by the way, as managing partner of the New Jersey Devils, has shown to be big into analytics. Josh Harris's 76ers from May 2013 to April 2016 had Sam Hinkie as their president of basketball operations and general manager. The process, right? Sam Hinkie initiated the process, the tanking strategy uh, in which the Sixers embraced analytics. Uh, Josh Harris's 76ers on November 2nd, 2020, officially hired the analytically inclined Daryl Morey as president of basketball operations. And Josh Harris's Devils in April 2019 hired this guy, Tyler Dello. Tyler Dello was hired as vice president of analytics of him having been a leading authority in NHL analytics for years. Tyler Dello founded a website, mc79hockey.com. 
Uh, that was one of the first analytics-based blogs for hockey. Uh, one of the things that I am very excited about with Josh Harris as commander's owner is this possibility of our team becoming one of the more forward-thinking teams in the NFL. Forward thinking is not something that has been said often, if at all, about our football team. Uh, But I think that our team may be on the doorstep of becoming truly forward thinking. We shall see. Uh, Email from Rich on the Commander's Draft and on the notion of NFL teams' drafts in general. Writes Rich, thanks for the extra show during draft weekend. I followed the draft here and there where I could. Uh, You're welcome, Rich. Yes, this past Sunday, a special Sunday installment of this podcast discussing and dissecting what the Commanders did in rounds two through seven of the 2023 draft. You know, Rich said that he followed the draft where he could. That is the thing with this podcast. Never forget, we follow Washington, D.C. area sports so that you don't have to. Following sports is work. Let us do the work. Let us do the heavy lifting for you. Anyway, continues, Rich. It's easy to get swept up by the deep dives of pundits. Value, upside, speed, test scores, yada, yada, yada. Everyone seems to have strong opinions on who should go where and why. Problem is, nobody has a crystal ball. The draft is a crapshoot. You can hedge your risk by taking top-rated talent from top college conferences and programs, but you can't eliminate risk. These kids are young. Who knows how they'll react to making some money? And who knows how they'll react to being left to their own devices. Who could have predicted Josh Doxson crying for his mommy? (laughs) The environment, coaching, player development, and scheme all contribute as well. I'm not particularly thrilled with the picks this year. However, the commanders have the chance to mold these guys into the players the team thinks it has drafted. Jack Del Rio has done well with Derek Forrest and Cameron Curl. If the new guys follow a similar path, the draft can be a success. If Eric Bieniemy can develop one of the picks into a starting quality offensive lineman, then that's a win. Hopefully, we at the end of the upcoming season will look back at the Commanders' 2023 draft class and marvel at the contributions from the rookie class. Uh, that may be necessary for Ron Rivera to keep his job. Thank you for the email, Rich. Uh, a logical, reasonable, sober outlook on the Commanders' 2023 draft. Look, the NFL draft is fun to talk about. I enjoy trying to figure out what the commanders see in each pick to where he could help the team. Like, what about each pick made him attractive to the team? But there's no doubt. We know nothing, okay? And in a lot of ways, the teams know nothing. Every NFL draft has first and second round picks who flop, and every NFL draft has sixth and seventh round picks who end up doing surprisingly well. And there is so much that goes into all of that, right? Personality, scheme, environment, injury. Uh, Former New Orleans Saints and Indianapolis Colts head coach Jim Mora, uh, he many years ago at a press conference sounded off on reporters saying that they didn't truly know and they never would truly know. And Mora was talking about what the team was trying to do. He wasn't talking about the NFL draft, but he may as well have been talking about the draft. Here you go. You guys really don't know when it's good or bad, when it comes right down to it. Will you make a promise to us? Will you tell us when it's good? And I'm promising you right now that you don't know when it's good or bad. You really don't know. Because you don't know what we're trying to do. You guys don't look at the films. You don't know what happened. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. And you never will. Okay? just for your own information. Yeah, that is a classic, obnoxious lecture from an NFL head coach, but there is truth in what Jim Morris said right there. And when it comes to the NFL draft, what he said goes for everyone. Fans, people in the media, coaches, executives. You really don't know, (laughs) and you never will know. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't No, and you never will, okay? Yeah, exactly. The NFL draft humbles us all.
Yeah, and one of the reasons that the NFL draft humbles us all uh, is how many undrafted players end up having significant NFL careers. Uh, the commanders on Monday afternoon announced having agreed to terms with 12 undrafted free agents. Uh, the players per Commanders insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post won't officially sign contracts until passing physicals, which will take place on May 11th. And then we have the commander's rookie minicamp, May 12th the 14th. You know, usually Washington's rookie minicamp weekend is the weekend that immediately follows NFL draft weekend. But this year, the team is doing rookie minicamp weekend two weeks after draft weekend. Uh, There are a few undrafted free agents who the commanders are signing who stand out. First of all, the commanders are signing a quarterback. Uh, They in the 2023 NFL draft did not take a quarterback, but they are signing Fordham quarterback Tim DeMorad as an undrafted free agent. Uh, Tim DeMorad at Fordham's Pro Day on March 8th measured as being 6'3 and a half. He finished number two in the voting for the 2022 Walter Payton Award, which is for the best offensive player in the FCS. The 2012 winner of the Walter Payton Award was an Old Dominion quarterback named Taylor Heineke. Uh, But DeMorad for the 2022 season, 12 games, 56 touchdown passes, versus 10 interceptions, a yards per pass attempt of 9.8, and a completion percentage of 65.33. He played for Fordham for five seasons, 2018 through 2022. He, over the 2021 and 2022 seasons, had a combined 87 touchdown passes versus 19 interceptions. Tim DeMorat put up some numbers for Fordham. Uh, So the Commanders will have four quarterbacks under contract in some form. Uh, Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, Jake Fromm, and Tim DeMorat. The Commanders in the 2023 draft did not take a receiver, but they are signing multiple undrafted receivers, including UCLA's Kazmir Allen. Uh, Kazmir Allen at the UCLA Pro Day on March 15th measured as being just 5'8 and 3 eighths of an inch. Big, he is not, uh, but he's a Curtis Samuel type receiver, a combo receiver running back. Allen for UCLA over the 2021 and 2022 seasons combined for 23 carries for 296 yards and three touchdowns, 12.87 yards per carry. Casimir Allen is exactly the kind of skill position player who I could see commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy really taking a liking to. Casimir Allen has Kansas City Chiefs written all over him. Uh, and another undrafted receiver who the commanders are signing, Stanford receiver Bryson Tremaine. Uh, Bryson Tremaine in October 2021 suffered a gruesome-looking injured left leg. He suffered a broken left fibula and a dislocated left ankle. He's a bigger receiver. Uh, He at the Stanford Pro Day on March 22nd measured as being 6'4 and an eighth of an inch. And remember, the commander's new quarterbacks coach is Tavita Pritchard. Uh, Tavita Pritchard was with Stanford for quite some time, 2006 through 2022, first as a player and then as a coach. Pritchard was a quarterback for Stanford from 2006 through 2009, and then was a coach for Stanford 2010 through 2022, including being Stanford's offensive coordinator from 2018 through 2022. So Tavita Pritchard knows Bryson Tremaine quite well. Here's something to always keep in mind with NFL rosters. Uh, About two-thirds of the players in the NFL are day three picks in NFL drafts and undrafted free agents. Yeah, about two-thirds. The backbone of the league is day three picks and undrafted free agents. So while what the commanders did on Thursday night and Friday night in rounds one through three of the draft certainly matters a lot, uh, so too does what they did on Saturday in rounds four through seven and what the team announced on Monday afternoon. Well, something else that matters is a good pair of sunglasses. But who wants to pay a ton of money for sunglasses that can easily break? Well, this is where Shady Rays sunglasses come in. Shady Rays, for listeners of this podcast, is offering a great deal. 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code Al Galdi. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed 
by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses. No questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. And so take advantage of the special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code Al Galdi for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yes, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. And get this, if you don't love your sunglasses, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love or You can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Also, Shady Rays has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Well, the month of May normally is when an NFL team's offseason calms down, but uh, with our team, not so much. Uh, The sale of the team could be completed this month. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, uh, he this past Thursday evening spoke with ESPN prior to the start of the 2023 NFL Draft, uh, said Goodell on the sale of the Commanders, quote, I think progress is being made, end quote. And he said that, quote, that progress will hopefully lead to them being comfortable to announce some type of a transaction probably by the middle of May or late May, end quote. Joining us now to discuss the sale and the post-NFL draft state of the Commanders from a football standpoint is Commanders Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com, which is the site for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. You can follow Michael on Twitter at Michael P. RTD. Hey, Michael, how are you? Great to be here. Uh, Doing well. Survived the draft. Uh, I feel like there weren't a lot of big moments for the Commanders in in this draft, but, uh, you know, it's something. Something's better than nothing. Well, you survived not just the draft, but also the Commander's Draft Party, uh, which took place at the National Harbor Waterfront District on Saturday. Uh, The party seemed to be well attended, seemed to be well done. Uh, Were those things, in fact, the case? Yeah, yeah. It's a nice, uh, you know, I don't know if you've been out there. They got a nice little party pavilion area. They set up the stage, uh, rolled through some players. John Allen was there, talked to him for a little while. Uh, Sam Howell, John Dotson, obviously Manuel Forbes was there. So, so pretty good crew. Major Tutty was there, of course. Everybody loves Major Tutty now. Um, it's, uh, you know, so uh, yeah, it was a good turnout. I, 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 I want to say this with the most possible respect to the team and the fans. It, it was a small area, and they need to be having parties in small areas now. That is the correct move for them because it was. It was full. There was a lot of juice. It felt good. If they had done that at FedEx Field. It would have been, oh my gosh, it's so empty. Why are there so few people here? Um, so you know, the, the the perspective matters uh, on things like this. But uh, uh, no, it was, it was a it was a rowdy crowd. It was good good to see people out there on a very nice day. And uh, uh, you know, for the for the diehards, there, there's always hope that this is the year. 
Yeah, I was going to say, and I think you're exactly right, doing the draft party at a place like the National Harbor Waterfront District is so the way to go right now, as opposed to doing the party at FedEx Field for a lot of reasons, including that people despise FedEx Field. Well, the draft party is one thing. The sale of the team is another. Nothing with the team matters more. Does Michael Phillips believe that by the end of this month, the Josh Harris group will officially own the commanders? Right. So you got real deadlines and artificial deadlines. Like there is no real deadline. They can kind of do this whenever they want. The artificial deadline is all the owners are getting together on May 21st. What a logical time to vote in the new ownership group and then give the rubber stamp and make this happen. Uh, I am a firm believer. Nothing is ever easy when it comes to Dan Snyder and billion dollar transactions. And uh, so I, I am not going to give you any sort of bold prediction that it happens at that at that May meeting. I, I don't doubt that Roger wants it to. I don't doubt that everybody else wants it to. Uh, I would just say if it doesn't happen for whatever reason, I, that is not a reason to panic. It is going to happen before they play a single down of football this year uh, at FedEx Field. So it's going to happen. I think we're all very hopeful it happens in that May window. Um, but you, you never know what curveball's coming around the corner. Uh, but I do feel very confident saying it will be this group buying this team by the end of this summer. Um, and so that Josh Harris being the group, obviously, um, I, I think that we can feel very good about those things. When the sale of the team is completed, what exactly do you think will happen? Like, will there be a big press conference? Will there be a big team event? Maybe instead of a draft party, a sale party? Uh, I know that people have joked about there being a parade, but what do you think the immediate days after the finalizing of the sale will look like? My, my guess would be the current or the new ownership group will not do any big splash events out of respect for the former ownership group. I, I think they would perceive that to be a bad look to essentially be celebrating that, that Dan Snyder is gone. Now, I don't rule out that maybe a local radio station or TV station or some fans will put together something in a parking lot or a parade or something like that. Uh, you know, and then, you know, people will go party and have a good time. I think because it's dragged out so long, we've kind of lost a little bit of the juice on that. There was no signature moment. There was the Forbes report and then there was, you know, the, the Sportico report. And then there was, you know, on and on all these little landmarks along the way, but there was never like a, like, oh my gosh, it's over, here is the moment uh, kind of thing. And I, I think that's kind of dampened the ability for there to be like a widespread anything. You know, sure, the vote will happen and that'll be a day, but it'll be a done deal by then. Um, so I, I don't know if that day will bring people out in a, in a major way. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that was done intentionally. Maybe that's why it's been, you know, leaked out in bits and pieces and slow rolled it is to avoid that. But no, I, I think I think they're all their sleeves get to work. We're not going to hear much from them uh, in, in, you know, in, in the early period, other than we're going to evaluate everything. We're going to get to work. We're going to get after it. Uh, I think you'll see the first movement on the business side because you're not as tethered to the football calendar there. Um, and then I think you'll see the second movement on the football side. Uh, what Once this year is over and, and the season's in the bag, whatever that result is. And that leads me right to my next question for you. We're almost certainly too deep into the offseason for Josh Harris to realistically fire Ron Rivera and hire a new head coach. But what about the team president, Jason Wright? Do you think that he could get fired soon after the completion of the sale? Or do you think that Jason is safe for at least a bit? I don't think his role is safe by any stretch. I mean, you look at a group that just paid $6 billion for a football team that has experience running major sports franchises that wants to get to work on a new stadium complex as soon as possible that has 16 investment partners, many of whom are big wigs in D.C. They're going to want to do things their way. And so that's not even a value judgment on the Jason Wright regime. Jason Wright could have been the greatest president in the history of professional team sports. I still think he's prob probably going to be marginalized when they come in because this is a group you don't overpay. They're overpaying. Let's, let's be clear about that. They're overpaying at $6 billion. You, you overpay for a franchise like this because you got a plan on what you want to do next. They've been working on that behind the scenes. They have the people they want to put in place to make that plan happen. 
So again, that's not disparaging to Jason Wright in any way. It's just to say these guys are coming in with their own vision on how to run things. The question for me is, does Jason Wright stay in the building in a different role? Uh, and I think there are roles available for him that he could continue to be kind of the face, you know, fan facing, you know, part of the operation. He could continue to run the, the FedEx field day to day, the ticket sales, things like that in the short term. Um, but I don't see a scenario where he's allowed to oversee the long term construction of a new stadium, construction of a new identity for the team, uh, the real estate development around that. I, I think they're going to bring their people in for that. The issue of another name change for the team, of course, has come up. Uh, there's the question of should the team engage in another name change and will the team engage in another name change? Where are you on the should and the will? Well, on part one, I am in the camp that believes they should engage in, in a rebrand um, and that they should do it in conjunction with opening the new stadium. Because I, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement out of the gate. People are going to be very excited for this year. Ticket sales are going to be good. But then you're going to hit a lull. I, I don't think I'm breaking any news out. This isn't a Super Bowl team this year. Um, you know, and you're, you're maybe going to have a new coach and a little rebuilding phase. So there, there's going to be a lull. I think it would be a mistake to come in day one and announce, everything's good, here's our new identity, come out to FedEx Field and root for your boys. Um, I think you're looking at this being a process of a few years where they really get things going properly. And, you know, the team has made strides in those departments over the last few years. But to me, you want to rebrand in conjunction with the new stadium because that's your ultimate statement of here's who we are, here's what we are, um, you know, come come get on board, it's, it's a new era. Will they? I think the NFL will strongly discourage them from doing that. I don't think they want to set the precedent that NFL teams can just be renamed willy-nilly. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a little bit of the prestige element of owning an NFL team that they want. You know, they, they are named and they are pillars of the community and things like that. Um, I, I hope they consider it. Uh, it won't be eminent for sure. I do think the NFL will push back against it, um, but I, I'm hopeful they, they consider it down the line. Much more with Michael Phillips in moments. I'm going to next ask him about quarterback Sam Howell. Uh, always good conversation with Michael. If you are looking for more good commander's conversation and information, check out at WSH on the daily on Instagram. Yeah, at WSH on the daily on IG. Uh, on the Daily just started in 2021 and yet has over 21,000 followers. And On the Daily is literally daily. Uh, the page is updated every day. News, notes, reports, photos, graphics. Uh, this is a page that properly sources and vets its news and information. Doesn't just, you know, post anything that anyone says. Uh, on the Daily on Instagram is a great place at which you can converse with other Commanders fans regarding the team, uh, the draft, free agency, trades. Uh, on the Daily responds to every single DM. On the Daily is a page at which you can have fun. Lots of creativity with jersey swaps and unique graphics and the contest name that Redskin and free wallpaper Wednesday, which is when On The Daily gives out free wallpaper that you can use on your phone. Uh, and On The Daily always has a great, fresh look. If you're on Instagram, check out at WSH On The Daily for smart, informative, fun, and engaging Commander's content. Check out at WSH On The Daily on Instagram. Uh, more now with Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com, which is the site for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Uh, all right, let's talk some actual Commander's football. Uh, imagine that. Uh, that the Commander's did not take quarterback at any point in the 2023 NFL draft. Is that further reason to believe that the team believes in Sam Howell or not necessarily? Yeah, I just don't think that there were, you know, I don't think they would have done anything this year with an eye towards three years from now, so to speak, you know, and, and that's kind of the position they were in. I know that, that, you know, you could have, you could have taken the Kentucky kid or, or, you know, uh, hookers, you know, maybe potentially a, a two year project, to, you know, one year for the injury and then he's back next year. I just think this coaching staff is too laser focused on how do we get guys who can come in and play this year. I think that's what you saw really rounds one through seven. I mean, Andre Jones is the exception, but the seventh round it is the seventh round that those first six picks though, are all guys who will contend for roster spots 
uh, and potentially play this year. And I mean, look, those are the incentives. Ron Rivera has to, for everything we just discussed, if he doesn't make noise this year, he's not going to be coaching this football team next year. His incentive as the general manager is not, why don't I go find a quarterback who I think I can develop into something in three years? That's the next guy's problem at this point. Coming into this offseason, uh, no unit on the commanders was in need of a rebuild more than the offensive line. We're now well into free agency. The NFL draft now is complete. Has the offensive line been adequately addressed, in your opinion? Not at all. Uh, no, I, I don't think it has been. I, I think they have a lot of guys who can play a lot of positions. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't think they have a lot of guys who can play a position well. Um, you even look at, I mean, Brain Daniels, a guy who I, I've talked to people who project him as a guard, not a tackle. Um, you know, stop me if you've heard that story before with the way this team drafts. Uh, you know, it, I, I, Stromberg, I think, was a great pick in the third round. You get one of the best centers on the board, a guy who can come in and they'll need that. So, so you, I, I will I will praise that pick. Um, but I, I just think on the whole, they are not secure enough on the ends. I Maybe some great coaching will unlock this group. Um, but it, if I were just looking at the roster on paper right now, I'd say that's not a group that can protect a young quarterback well enough to give him a chance to succeed. So May 1st now has come and gone. Uh, It was the deadline by which the commanders had to exercise the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of edge defender Chase Young. Uh, They, of course, did not pick up the option. Did Rod Rivera make the right call on that? Well, I understand why he made the call on that. I'll say I would have made a different call. I I would have picked it up just for the value uh, of the the you know, saving the seven million next year. I understand why he did what he did. Chase Young has been underwhelming from a production standpoint so far, and Chase Young has been underwhelming from a being coachable by head coach Ron Rivera standpoint so far. Um, so I, I'm not going to say this is a black and white issue. I would I would have taken it the other way, um, but not in in some kind of like ninety percent way or anything. I think this is a this is a sixty forty issue here, you know, just depending on which way you see it. I'm not going to fault Ron for saying, hey, we gotta light a fire under this guy. We gotta communicate nothing, nothing's for sure here. I, I think you always play for value when you're dealing with the salary cap and, and the NFL. And he is still a a a beast out there. I mean that the measurables are still very much there if he puts it together. Um so I would have picked it up, but but lighten the fire, I, I don't blame Ron Rivera for doing that. I agree with you. I think that whether the team should have exercised the Chase Young option was a gray area issue. It was not a slam dunk either way. What to me was most interesting about the Chase Young option situation was how Ron Rivera and eventually even general manager Martin Mayhew talked about the situation. Uh, you know, these public expressions of supposed uncertainty over whether to exercise the option. Ron talking about the potential for not exercising the option to motivate Chase. Now, personally, I never bought that the team was uncertain about what to do with the option. I think that the team knew all along what it was going to do with that option. But now that we know that the team did not exercise the option, what do you make of Ron and Morton having like publicly dangled the option the way that they did? Yeah, I think it, you trace it back to kind of the offseason after his, his rookie of the year season. And, you know, he doesn't show up for a lot of those workouts. And then, you know, he, Ron calls him out in, in the team website to Mike Silver midway through the season. Then you get the ACL. But going into that offseason, Ron says, hey, I've talked to Chase. He's going to be coming around for, for workouts. He's good. But then Chase doesn't come around for workouts. Uh, I don't think Ron thinks he's getting through to him. Uh, would, would be the between the lines I'm reading that. I mean, I can't speak to the dynamics of their relationship, but from what we know, it sure sounds like, uh, you know, he, he's not he's not buying into the Ron Rivera plan uh, in the way that Ron would have wanted here. Um, I don't know that this will light the fire. I think it's the big question mark, right? So, you know, Ron's given the example of Deron Payne, who, go, you know, goes into his contract here without anything other than that fifth-year option, lights it up, gets rewarded. I fully believe Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera, when they say if Chase Young dominates this year, we're going to take care of him. I believe that. Um, I don't know if they believe that's going to happen. Uh, I, I think that's the big issue here. 
Contract extensions this offseason for edge defender Montez Sweat and safety Cameron Curl, uh, each of whom is going into the final season of his rookie contract. Would you label extensions this offseason for those guys as more likely or unlikely? Unlikely on Sweat, likely on Curl would be my read. I, I think they let Montez have his year two and let those guys kind of play it out for the contract, so to speak. Um, to me, it just makes too much sense to extend Cam Curl right now. You know you like him. You know you want him here. Um, he's, a, he's a long-term piece for this organization, and he's never going to be cheaper than he is right now. I, I mean, that's that's the reality of NFL contracts. Now, you, you may have to make some moves. I, I would say the two guys who I see as most vulnerable uh, coming out of this draft are obviously Chase Ruye with the injury uh, and a potential post-June first cut there. And then Kendall Fuller in the secondary, who I absolutely would not get rid of, um, but I, I think is very much financially speaking on the chopping block. You do those two things, uh, you know, you free up enough to make whatever moves you want to make the rest of the way. Um, but with Cam Curl, same as the, the Terry McLaurin deal, it, it came down to the buzzer. Uh, sure, that that's how deals get done, but it just seems so obvious to me that you've got a guy you like. You're the only team that can pay him. You cut the check keep it moving. Now, you know, that that's how you run a functional organization. Yeah. And you would think that a contract extension for Camp Curl shouldn't require monster money. He'll get good money, but the commanders gave Terry McLaurin at top of the market receiver money. I wouldn't think that a Camp Curl extension would require top of the market safety money. And anytime you've got a guy who's a late round draft pick that you want to give them that financial security because this is their chance to get it. You know, same as the baseball players who get locked up pre-arbitration. The longer you make this deal, the more money you put on the table, the more likely he is to take it just because he hasn't had that first big payday yet. Makes total sense. Uh, Commander's Insider, Michael Phillips of Richmond.com, which is the site for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Michael, thanks a lot. All the best. Absolutely. Take care, Al. All right. Hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Michael Phillips. Hopefully it was a conversation so good that it compels you to rate and review this podcast. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review doesn't have to be long, can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help out the podcast a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Well, Michigan football was in attendance at Nationals Park on Monday night. Uh, Among those in attendance was Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Uh, At one point, the Nats mascot Screech uh, put his curly W hat on Harbaugh's head. That was pretty funny. But the rest of the night (laughs) was not so funny from a Nats perspective, even though I just laughed right there. Uh, A 5-1 loss to the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park in Game 1 of a four-game series. Nats fell to 10-18 uh, the Nats are 3-12 and at home. Uh, the Nats actually have a winning record on the road, 7-6, and but uh, the Nats are a woeful 3-12 and at home. So Mackenzie Gore was the Nats' starting pitcher on Monday night. He was coming off an excellent outing, a 4-1 win at the New York Mets last Wednesday night, one run in six innings with 10 strikeouts. Uh, Gore and Josiah Gray, two young starting pitchers for the Nats, two big bright spots for the Nats so far this season. But Gore on Monday night was not good. Uh, He allowed four runs in four innings. He gave up seven hits, a homer, three doubles, and three singles. He issued two walks. He recorded four strikeouts. He ended up with a sky-high pitch count. He, over his four innings, threw a whopping 102 pitches, although he did throw a good number of strikes, 66 strikes versus 36 balls. Uh, Gore, in the top of the first, allowed two runs. He retired the first two batters he faced, but then gave up three consecutive two-out hits and committed a throwing error. Uh, Gore gave up a two-out full count opposite field single by Cody Bellinger through the left side of the infield, and Bellinger then stole second base. Gore gave up a two-out opposite field RBI single by Seiya Suzuki to right center field for a one nothing Cubs lead despite Suzuki having been down in the count at 1.02. Gore committed a two-out throwing error on a pickoff attempt at first base, allowing Suzuki to advance all the way to third base. And Gore gave up a two-out RBI double by ex-Oriole Trey Mancini. Yeah, he's on the Cubs. Uh, Mancini's double off 
the left center field wall for a 2-0 Cubs lead. Uh, and then Gore in the top of the fifth allowed two runs. He gave up a leadoff full count opposite field single by Nico Horner to shallow right center field. Uh, Gore gave up a two-run home run by Dansby Swanson into the Cubs bullpen in left field for a 4-1 Cubs lead. And Gore issued a walk of Cody Bellinger and then got pulled from the game. Uh, Gore did not record an out in that fifth inning. Here was Nats manager Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Monday night on how Mackenzie Gore did against the Cubs. In the zone, they work good counts. Um, they didn't, didn't chase. Um, you know, and that's that was that was the whole night. You know, with their bats. I mean, um, you know, just you know, when they, when they they battle back, you know, try to make make a good pitch to too, and then you know, he, he walk a guy, but um, but he, you know, he battled, kept us in game. His pitch count got high, but you know, we we thought you know he had enough in the tank. He came out throwing, you know, 96, 97. Um, and he felt good. Just uh, like I said, they, they they battled up there. On the other side, guy just throws strikes. <laughs> you know, mixed all his pitches, um, kept us all balanced. You know, we hit some balls good, but couldn't get nothing really going. With all those foul balls and the long counts, does that feel like what McKenzie was doing, or does that feel like really a concerted plan on their end? How they I think I think, I think they, like I said, they worked good at bats. They really did um, uh, all night long. I mean, they they, they stayed in the, they stayed in the at bat, fouled some balls off. Uh, you know, but. You know, he threw he threw some you know he threw some balls really good. I mean, he got two outs in the first inning, and then uh, you know Bellinger you know got that base hit to get things going three two count. I mean, so uh, but you know battled to come back in five days, and, and uh, like I said, you know for the most the most important thing for him is keep up his strikes. You know, keep up his strikes. Uh, with McKenzie, we we'll probably all remember his last start for all the strikeouts that he had. Why do you think he wasn't able to be as effective in, in that aspect tonight? You know, I, I, I think a lot a lot of his misses today, and when I go back tonight and watch the game, were more um, over the plate as far as, you know, maybe, you know, play against Gnocchi threw some really good pitches down and away for strikes, up, you know, and for strikes. I think today the balls, were, his misses were more over the white of the plate a lot. They were able to file him off. Um, they were able to put him in play. Um, but, you know, you know, we'll have to check. But, um, like I said, other than his pitch count being high, you know, he's, he, he was battling. He was throwing, you know, he's, he had him in swing mode. Uh, they just fouled a lot of balls off. Yeah, a lot of foul balls by the Cubs on Monday night. Uh, as for the Nats' bullpen on Monday night, three relievers combined to allow one run in five innings. That was good. The Nats' bullpen ended up being good, but interestingly, the three relievers were Mason Thompson, Thaddeus Ward, and Corey Abbott. Uh, the Nats earlier on Monday recalled Abbott from AAA Rochester. Uh, this is the corresponding roster move to putting starting pitcher Chad Cool on the 15-day injured list retroactive to Sunday with a right foot injury. So let's first deal with Chad Cool. Uh, this to me is a classic case of reality meeting convenience. Cool uh, is dealing with a right foot issue. This is not a made-up injury. This is not a phony injury. Cool uh, during his last start did get checked on at one point by Davey Martinez and the Nats Director of Athletic Training, Paul Lassard. But as we talked about on Monday's show, episode 562, Cool uh, is reeling right now. He, over five starts in this regular season, has an ERA of 941 and a whip of 195. And his wife, Amanda, is dealing with breast cancer. Uh, so while this right foot ailment isn't made up, uh, it also may not exactly be injured list worthy, shall we say, but he has been placed on an injured list. Uh, the Nats have not yet named a starting pitcher for Wednesday night's Game 3 against the Cubs. The thinking had been that Corey Abbott was likely to be that guy. But Abbott on Monday night ended up pitching for two innings. So Mason Thompson came into the game in the top of the fifth with a runner on first, nobody out, and the Nats down 4-1. Uh, Thompson faced three batters and got three outs, including two strikeouts. He only threw 13 pitches, but he then was out of the game. Uh, the same Mason Thompson who this season has thrown multiple innings in multiple appearances. Uh, Thaddeus Ward then came into the game. He tossed two scoreless innings. And then Corey Abbott came into the game, and he ended up pitching for two innings. Uh, he allowed one run in the two innings. He tossed a scoreless top of the eighth on 19 pitches, just eight strikes versus 11 balls. He then allowed a run in the top of the ninth on a leadoff home run by Ian Happ to right field on a 1-2 pitch. 
for a 5-1 Cubs lead. Uh, Abbott ended up throwing 34 pitches, so I suppose that he still could start Wednesday night's game, but it seemingly could end up being a bullpen game with Abbott going for, say, two innings, three innings, maybe four innings, and then giving way to, say, Mason Thompson, or maybe the Nats are going to call up somebody else to make that start on Wednesday night. Uh, Monday night was a bad night for the Nats offense. Just one run, just six hits, no walks, 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. Uh, The Nats' six hits on Monday night all came from three guys, Lane Thomas, Dominic Smith, and Luis Garcia. Uh, Lane Thomas did finally hit a home run. That was good. Uh, Thomas, as an Nats starting right fielder and number six batter, one for three, with a solo homer. He, in the Nats, one run second, two out first pitch, solo home run to center field to cut the Nats deficit to 2-1. Uh, this was some shot. Uh, the homer went a projected 424 feet per stat cast and was Lane Thomas's first home run of this regular season. Lane Thomas in the 2022 regular season hit 17 home runs. He had not yet homered in this regular season until Monday night. Uh, also on Monday night, Dominic Smith, as an at starting first baseman and number seven batter, three for three with a double and two singles. That was good. Uh, Smith has really struggled so far this season. Has been a bit better lately, so maybe he's getting going. Uh, Smith on Monday night, bottom of the fifth, a leadoff double to the right center field gap. And Luis Garcia, uh, he is an at starting second baseman and number two batter, two for four with a double and a single. He in the bottom of the third had a two out opposite field double to left field. But otherwise, a rough night for the Nats offensively. Uh, The Cubs starter, Drew Smiley, essentially had his way with the Nats. Uh, Smiley, one run in seven innings. Game two for the Nats against the Cubs is on Tuesday night at 7.05. Trevor Williams will be the Nats starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 558, will include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also, we'll talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Tuesday night at 7.05 of game two of a four-game series against the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park. The O's on Tuesday night at 7.40 have game one of a three-game series at the Kansas City Royals. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. And you never will, okay? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.